this is your Polycast for Monday, May 4th, your daily check-in on Minnesota politics. I'm Mike Mulcahy for NPR News. On today's edition, the state is set to get an updated look at the budget. College graduates face an uncertain future. The coronavirus pandemic pushed many people out of work, and travel and commerce restrictions have a lot of us spending much less money. Those factors are just part of the reason why state officials are expecting a steep drop in tax collections. Minnesota's economic peril will be front and center this week with a new budget projection. Reporter Brian Bax told Kathy Werzer this morning that the timing of the forecast is unusual. It's very unusual. You know, as you mentioned, late February and then again around Thanksgiving, we get these reports. It's the kind of report that predicts whether a surplus or deficit lies ahead. And you'll remember in February of this year, there was a forecast that showed a $1.5 billion surplus expected through next summer. That's out the window, and everyone is now expecting a shortfall, perhaps a significant one. Okay, Uh, let's talk about the tax picture, and why is that concerning to lawmakers? There are two things causing worries. Minnesota has delayed a bunch of tax deadlines, so there could be a cash crunch until expected dollars come in. But there's also the anticipated loss in revenue ahead. Many people took pay cuts or lost jobs, so income taxes will no doubt fall. Businesses will go under, so that's going to take a toll. If people aren't shopping or going to restaurants, that's less in sales taxes. Even when things return to normal, those meals you didn't eat out in April won't necessarily be replaced by more dining out in June. And separate from the basic state budget, motor vehicle sales taxes and gas taxes are down too. That will strain the state's road construction accounts in the future. Isn't there some federal money that's going to flow to the state of Minnesota, though? Yes, about $2 billion has been transferred. Some of that went directly to Hennepin and Ramsey counties, and there's an expectation that dollars will be forwarded to cities for their coronavirus response. And there are limitations on what can be done with that money. It can be used to reimburse the state for COVID-19-related costs it has already incurred or expects to, but states aren't allowed to use it for revenue replacement, meaning substituting for lost tax dollars. So uh, let's talk about the last two weeks of the session here, which I can't believe we're saying it's the final two weeks of session. How might all this affect what we have going on here? It's already having an impact. Senate Republicans have moved away from some of the tax cuts they plan to do for Social Security recipients and others. We don't hear about expanded preschool programs that were high on the agenda of House Democrats earlier. Any expansion of programs, if they don't relate to health or coronavirus response, are unlikely now. Just listen to Senate Taxes Chair Roger Chamberlain about the grim outlook he's prepared for. But we could estimate a couple billion, a billion, a couple billion short next year to maybe, worst case scenario, up to 8 or $9 billion short, depending on how this goes. A longtime DFL Senator Richard Cohen says there's far too much uncertainty still to know how bad it is. Because there's been a delay in income and sales tax payments, it's going to be difficult to determine the exact amount of what uh, uh, that deficit might be. Okay, that's a good point. Uh, what will this report actually allow state leaders to do? Uh, Walls administration officials believe if it shows a looming deficit, it will permit them to tap into Minnesota's rainy day reserves to cover some state expenses. There's more than $2 billion in the state's reserve funds, so the blow would be cushioned to an extent. In other states, governors are furloughing state workers, and you might expect that call for that to happen here to get louder if things are really dire. What do we expect to hear from the governor this week in terms of Minnesota's gradual reopening? Today is the first day that many retail operations can open with curbside pickup or delivery options. Walsh is going to watch how that goes to determine if in-store sales can resume more widely. 
The governor says he's also planning to announce as soon as today if some elective medical procedures can begin again. Those were halted in March to preserve personal protective equipment for the coronavirus fight. But it's been extremely hard on hospitals and clinics that rely on that revenue and patients who have put off care. Say, Brian, before you go, let me ask you about what happened over the weekend with um, House Minority Leader Kurt Doubt talking about uh, problems with the bonding bill and kind of maybe holding it up. What's going on with that? Uh, Doubt said that his caucus won't provide the votes needed to pass a construction projects bill while the wall's peacetime emergency is in place. That's separate from the stay-at-home order or the restaurant order. This is the one that allowed him to take a lot of these actions. This is the one place where where Doubt and his caucus have leverage because it takes a three-fifths vote to pass it. Uh, But that sets up a collision course if Walls extends his order before the peacetime authority expires on May 13th. The regular session must end on May 18th. Brian Baxt talking to Kathy Werzer. Republicans are pushing back harder against the stay-at-home order issued by Governor Tim Walls heading into its eighth week this week with two more weeks to go. As we heard Brian say, House Republican Minority Leader Kurt Doubt says he'll block a bonding bill until the governor ends the state of emergency. Senate Finance Committee Chair Julie Rosen, a Republican from Vernon Center, said in a Facebook post over the weekend that the governor has gone too far. She urged him to lift more restrictions even as retailers open on a limited basis starting today. I think this is going to really show an adverse effect not only in our state budget but in our prosperity throughout the state and to the mental health situation for many people. Senate Republicans are also bringing small business owners to the Capitol today to talk about the impact that the restrictions are having on them and what they'd like to see changed as the stay-at-home order runs through May 18th. The union representing workers at a massive meatpacking plant in Worthington says it expects the plant will at least partly reopen on Wednesday. A statement from the United Food and Commercial Workers says the limited operations will be focused on killing hogs, as COVID-19-related shutdowns have closed hog processors and left hundreds of thousands of excess animals. State and federal officials have been pushing for the plants to reopen, starting with efforts to kill excess hogs for disposal rather than meat processing. Hundreds of workers at the plant in Worthington tested positive for coronavirus. JBS hasn't publicly confirmed its plans to reopen. Some other notes from over the weekend. Republicans in Minnesota's 7th Congressional District endorsed former Lieutenant Governor Michelle Fishbach to take on longtime Democratic Congressman Colin Peterson in November. Fishbach defeated previous nominee Dave Hughes on the 8th ballot Saturday during an online convention. Hughes congratulated Fishbach after her win, but he didn't endorse her. It's unclear whether he'll run against Fishbach in the August primary election. In Minnesota's 2nd District, Republican delegates endorsed Marine Corps veteran Tyler Kistner of Prior Lake to take on incumbent first-term Democratic Congresswoman Angie Craig in November. Less than two months ago, college seniors were looking at graduating into a great job market. Unemployment was low and employment offers plentiful. But with the COVID-19 virus smacking down much of the economy, college grads now face what shapes up as the toughest hiring season since the depths of the big recession more than a decade ago. Martin Moylan has the story. Most everyone in the class of 2020 is getting a continuing education course courtesy of the College of Hard Knocks, finding your first job out of college during an economic meltdown. Kate Nekanicki is trying her best. She's a communications and journalism major at the University of St. Thomas who had been hoping to find a job in public relations or media production. 
It makes me kind of nervous that so many companies are letting go of their employees and not adding new positions. Nekineke is focusing on networking, updating her LinkedIn profile, and divining who may still be hiring people with her skills. I'm trying to work on putting myself in the best position that I can be for when the job market does pick back up. It's pretty rough now. More than a half million Minnesotans have filed for unemployment. Meanwhile, Minnesota job postings on Indeed.com, the online employment site, are down about 40 percent from last year. A recent survey by Handshake, a nationwide job hunting site for college students, found nearly half of students are worried about getting a job when they graduate. Handshake Vice President Christine Cruz Vergara says it's probably because they see what's happening to classmates. About 11% of our students who had a full-time offer had it rescinded, and around 30% of juniors and seniors who had an internship had it rescinded. But it's not all bad. Cruz Vergara says some sectors are still definitely hiring, led by education, health care, government, nonprofits, and technology. Students are turning to their school's career counseling offices a lot more for advice. One thing they hear repeatedly is... Do not panic. May Tao Shuck is vice president of career and professional development at St. Catherine University. And we still have employers that are actually actively looking at students. They may not be hiring right away, but they tell us that they are going to continue to hire. Over at the University of St. Thomas, Jennifer Rogers helps students with their job hunts. She says most companies still want to hire new grads. They're really trying to retain any full-time jobs for those entry-level college grads and continue that hiring. She's giving students the same advice she dished out during the Great Recession. Identify who is actually still hiring. Where is the health in the economy? Indeed, students are getting jobs. Callan Costello is one of them. She's a senior in St. Catherine University's nursing program. She was rejected by nearly 30 employers before landing a position at Abbott Northwestern Hospital on a COVID-19 unit. I just kind of felt this could be a long wait until something pops up. And so I was really grateful that this opportunity came about. Like many students, Yosef Kasau, a senior at the University of Minnesota Duluth, has mulled graduate school. But the information systems major prefers to work. Kasau has an internship with the company and hopes to stay with it after graduation. But meanwhile, he's busy networking through video chats with potential employers. Right now, I think the best thing that I can do is just make sure I can continue to build relationship with recruiters to make sure that I'm not just another candidate. Robert McCracken has an internship lined up this summer with Kimberly Clark, the paper company. And the University of Minnesota Twin Cities economics major feels confident about his prospects when he graduates in December, when the economy may be in better shape. I'm still somewhat hopeful that the U is going to provide me enough skills to go out there and be able to perform in a competitive job market. But McCracken says people should remember college isn't all about jobs and money. For anyone out there who knows a grad in their life, I'd just say celebrate their achievements because it's kind of getting overshadowed at this time. But uh, it is important, you know, and they've put a lot of sacrifice into it. Martin Moylan, NPR News. And that's your Polycast for this Monday, your daily check-in on Minnesota politics. I'm Mike Mulcahy for NPR News.